This episode of Lord John Lander includes conversation about sexual violence that some listeners may find distressing. Support resources are available from RAIN.org, including a confidential helpline for those in the U.S. That's R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. Welcome to Lord John Lander, the Outlander podcast for Lord John fans, where we talk all things Outlander, but especially about Jamie and his Sassanac. And sometimes we talk about Claire, too. We can't promise you much, but for the next half hour-ish, we can promise chaos and to make you question whatever life choices led you to listen to us. Before we get into it, this is your one and only warning that show and book spoilers are lurking around every corner. We're even going to spoil crap that never happened. Hello, welcome to Lord John Lander. We are your hosts. I am Mistress Pandora. You can call me Pan. My co-host is here as well. Hi, everyone. It's Beth, J-Sweet Prey. And once again, we have Geek in the Pink. Ness is going to join us again. Hello, Ness. Hi, everybody. Happy to be back again, again. Yes. We have so much fun. Um, So... We have, did we have anything to say in terms of a clarification from last episode? Yes. We had talked in the last episode whether or not Column had invited the Duke of Sandringham as a way to sort of like punish Jamie. But I looked in the book and in the book it's actually... Like, they are on their way home from the rent party. Dougal says he ran into, like, a messenger from Colum, and, like, the Duke was already on his way. So it doesn't necessarily seem like that's the case, unless Colum already knew about the marriage somehow and was still planning to, like, punish Jamie by inviting the Duke. So probably not, but... It's still a possibility. So that's very clear. I think there's even certain things that we learn in this episode that make it, yeah, kind of unclear too, because it almost kind of seems like Dougal could have, even though we clearly see that point where Colm says to Ned last episode, oh, invite him or whatever. But then you find out that Dougal and the Duke have a little arrangement that we'll talk about later. So it's, yeah, it's a bit, yeah, confusing, I think. Well, and in the book, Ned wasn't involved in any of that at all because he was with the men and Colm decided to invite him before they even got back. So Yeah, so there you go. I, so I'm still kind of looking at the that part, around that part of the first book. And I, just, I was just glancing down and Jamie's having a conversation with Hamish. Hamish says, John says, and Jamie's like, John the stable lad, John the cook boy, or John Cameron? And then Hamish <laughs> says, Hamish says the stable lad. So <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if John uh, was the stable lad for a little while at the <laughs> The relatives he was staying with decided to send him to the Highlands for to punish him. There you go. <laughs> so he be a lad be a a he could have run away. So it, in Aberdeen, he probably, I got this from our Scottish correspondent, um, but he probably would have picked up Doric 
which is that really, really, really thick dialect. It, well, it's not di- not so much dialect, more of its own. It's really its own language. But there is a character in Brave that speaks Doric and absolutely nobody can understand him. So he could have just... I'm not I'm not sure how he would have gotten away with it. <laughs> well, think of think of his books though and the things that he manages to make happen. He could True. have started at a young age the shenanigans, you know? <laughs> True. Just... <laughs> he does have a knack for them, really. See, and again, you worried we wouldn't have enough. Again, I worried and I and I thought real long and hard about some stuff, and I have a few things I'm gonna shoehorn in. It's I, I stress. It's just what it is. And I'm like, shh, just let it, let it happen. Just let, let it happen. happen. Just, it's okay. <laughs> Strong start. That's what, that's what I say. Strong start. Love it. Always. Yes. So this episode is 110 uh, by the pricking of my thumbs. That's a really long title. Does everybody know what that's from? No. No? You don't know what the reference oh. is? I don't know the reference. It's, is it something in Shakespeare? It is. It's from Macbeth. It's oh. a part of the witch's spell. Actually, right. funny enough, I'm just like remembering right. this off the top of my head from school. Yeah, it's from the witch's spell from Macbeth. Uh, the three witches, the three witches uh, in Macbeth with their famous magic spell. I care, I probably should have looked up what it was now that I even said it out loud. Something about by the pricking of my thumb, like is direct, like just a direct, direct link to the fact that there's like witchcraft. It's like it's like something. I almost feel like it's part of something that you'll see even references in other literature these days. That yeah. that's almost like a way to like Easter egg some uh, witchcraft references and stuff like that, or magic spell references, or so on and so forth. So funny story. Um, we work out of the same. Like we use a Google document and take notes, and so we're all in the same thing at the moment. And Beth rewatched this first and put her notes in, and I hadn't. I've only seen this episode one time, and it was like three years ago in her first point on here is jamie's full english breakfast i'm like i do not remember this <laughs> and then as soon as soon as i hit play i went oh euphemism <laughs> yeah. yeah i always remember the beginning of this episode because it's wild so and then my second thought is that he definitely read that book that we talked about yes. in the wedding episode. <laughs> she comes first. That's right. <laughs> Take notes. Uh, he did. Good lad. He's learning. We're, we're, you know, we love to see that. He's working hard. Especially after all the drama of last episode. And he's so determined, like, that knock comes on the door, and he's just like, nope, not until nope. my lady is is done. Despite the fact that he's going to let somebody into the room and show all her afterglow. <laughs> Which yeah. is just like, I know it's Myrta, but like, it's just awkward as hell. I'd be like, excuse me, sir. He's also talking close to Myrta with Claire's flavor. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Like, freaking movie magic like his face would be all messed up he'd be smell he could have the smell come on now and Myrta like looks at her and that's how he knows yeah right you'd know from him you'd see him and you'd know you smelled it the second you walked in the room dude don't try to pretend you didn't I mean the hair's a bit of a mess but he'd definitely be more messed up than that that's actually hilarious 
<laughs> oh man! Oh god! It's like expectation. I would love an expectations versus reality uh, outlander of that scene. That'd be <laughs> epic. <laughs> I remember an interview with Katrina Balf, and she said she was talking about how you know it's very important to get a woman's perspective on things, and mm-hmm, she mentioned mm-hmm. that like they originally wanted to do that scene a different way. And she saw the script and was like, no, 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 no. Like this, this would not happen. So I've always wanted to be like, how did, what were they envisioning? How did the man write it? How was it going to go, you know? That's funny. Should we get back to um, Jamie trying to uh, get a pardon though? Yeah, so Duke of Sandringham is coming. We suspect that because of Claire's suspicions that he is not a good person. And then we also know from what Jamie has insinuated that, you know, he's after Jamie's hindquarters. Yeah. And and then he's so intent. He wants so badly to get a pardon. And especially, I think now because of Claire, like he really just wants to you know, take his place as Laird and be settled and just be a married dude and have kids and stuff. And that he's willing to put himself in risk, you know, in risk's way. And Ned, and whether or not Ned knows the, like Jamie's history with the Duke, you know, he inadvertently pushes Jamie to put his trust in Sandringham, who, you know, has victimized him, not not ever actually going through yeah you know i mean to the point where jamie had to make himself sick to avoid being raped yeah so i you know i and i know ned didn't mean it but i was just like oh come on ned it's interesting because i feel like murta kind of does something similar and and yet he knows like we know that he knows and he's very you can tell his face he's like got this grumpy or i should say extra grumpy grumpy face on he's kind of got a resting grumpy face but he's got extra grumpy face on about the duke of Sandringham, and he obviously interrupts their uh, morning sex to talk about it and he's there obviously he's like well, bad jamie's side you know every moment of all of it yeah it seems like everybody else except for claire claire's the only one who was saying Sandringham can Sandringham can help you with this even though he is like a shady as hell dude well i yeah. mean no Murta was trying to talk him out of it was he? Well, I guess. But he's, but then he was like, oh, Sandringham is here. Like, then why? Like, I don't know. I think he could have been done more, I guess. I don't. Is, oh, I, what? Tie him to something? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made this episode go so differently. But I mean, no, Murta is like the one person, like the one father figure. I guess you could kind of sort of call Dougal and call him father figures in a way. Mm. But like, he's mm-hmm. the one yeah. person who knows that Sandringham is a predator and wants to prey on Jamie specifically and actually gives two shits mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, enough that he goes and he's going to like, not going to let him go there alone. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Can I bring us back to this conversation? Just a tiny, tiny bit, mostly between Jamie and Claire, but also in Marta as well. There, So this, this little bit bugged the shit out of me and I could not put my finger on it. And I fell down a, we'll call it a research hole, but I went and I rewatched, I, I must have rewatched like the same 20 seconds of this episode 15 times this evening. He shows, he tells Marta he has boundaries, what he will and will mm-hmm. not do to get this pardon. Right. And at this point in his life, this pardon is like the most important thing to him because that, that represents his ability to be himself, 
be a husband, potentially be a father in what he hopes is the near future, all of this stuff. But he's not willing to trade himself for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So guess where that led me? <laughs> this led me to Of Lost Things. And I watched Jamie offer himself to John in exchange for taking care of William 15, 20 times. And it never got less infuriating. One, because there is absolutely, you cannot convince me that Jamie actually thought there was a reality where John would tell him no in that moment. I don't know. That that made no sense. I made no point just now. <laughs> but I think that Jamie, in more than one way, wanted John to say yes, because when he oh, yeah. explains to Claire mm-hmm. in a breath of, I think it's in a breath of snow and ashes, you know, why he offered, he says, and it's easy to miss if you're not reading carefully, because like the first time I read it, I skipped right over it. But he says, like, it wasn't a test in the sense that he was hoping John would say no so that he knew he could trust him. He wanted to sleep with him so that because he says, and I'm paraphrasing, but you can't be with a man, be with a person, be within them, feel like their hairs, their hair scratching your body and not know what's in their soul. So like, he's like, that's the only way. And he says, I don't know if he says this or if maybe I, or if this was an interpretation that I read somewhere that was like, it was the it was the one they were the yeah I guess the interpretation was it was the one way he would know that John was like a safe person to yeah. raise William for him because he and because I think and then he says something like it's a terrible thing to have those physical things with a person and not feel that not be able to see within them and 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 then I think from his experience with. Blackjack Randall, he also knows that it's a terrible thing to look in a man's soul and know that he's evil, um, which he doesn't say, but it's implied. I'm not going to lie. That whole explanation, like I, I will take it at face value, but also that really feels very deeply too. He's had a lot of years to work on this and that's the straightest answer he could come up with. Oh, well, that's the thing. Why is it all the way in A Breath of Snow and Ashes? Like, un- once again, I'm calling out unreliable narrator. Yes, and terribly well, one un- and unreliable. Well, even and like unreliable. Un- oh my god, unreliable narrator in the sense of Claire is the narrator. She's hearing this story, and he could be. I'm not like. Don't tell me Jamie doesn't lie to her, or not even lie. Maybe he lies. We know he's a good liar, but also he's telling her the truth that he understands. It doesn't mean that that's really what's going on deep inside. Like we know, yeah, smart and dumb person. Like we we know these things. So, but I mean. To me, I think that that passage, I I think it's honest. And I just think that Jamie doesn't realize the implications of what that may mean, probably does mean about his own sexuality. Like, I, I think he is, like you said, he is telling the truth as he knows it. And in his head, he has logic out that it's perfectly logical to think this way and it the fact that john is a man makes no difference because this is just you know just one it's like how he know it's like his soul detector is in his penis <laughs> so, you know oh, and he he doesn't <laughs> this is the best 
one, he, and I think two, it's like, he's like, oh, I'm sure all men feel this way. Just like the freaking foreskin. Exactly. I'm sure all men feel this way. That's what he tells himself. Exactly. And we're like, okay, sir, you, you go right ahead and believe what you want to know. But we know, we know things. Think about like bisexual people you've known in your life or anybody who's had these own thoughts themselves you know, you see someone of the same gender and you're like, Ooh, you know, they're, they're pretty, mm, you know, but then you, again, you're like, Oh, but that's normal to like, like that doesn't make me, yeah, that doesn't mean I'm attracted to them. Like, like sometimes, you know, women just really admire a woman's boobs. <laughs> like without, you know? <laughs> so, I think, I mean, it's not like people don't still offer those explanations to themselves to try to logic their way out of you know what might be an uncomfortable truth for them you know people still do it oh i think i found a way to bring this back to sandra thank you so (laughs) what we're saying is sorry (laughs) because what we're so what we're saying is jamie jamie's not just gonna give it up for people um no just john right left and center (laughs) well yeah exactly He's the reason he does it for John is because he's attracted to him is because he wants to go there and he's looking for an excuse and he because he's definitely not looking for that when he clearly has the opportunity with people like Sandrium who are waiting for that. There we go. I also think this kind of <laughs> we're like oh we're back and I'm like actually <laughs> actually no we're not let's take let's take this turn. I think it actually speaks to the possibility of Jamie being demisexual because he obviously loves Claire and their connection is so tied to the physical. But I think John, you know, we've talked about before where John is one of the first men that Jamie can trust. And I just, I don't mean first gay man. I mean like, first man who doesn't just try to use him and stuff. So I think by the time he feels that trust with John, then he feels that he could be intimate with him in that way. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Because it's so few and far between with him that he might make that yeah connection. Yeah. You know, somebody who we don't trust and nobody should trust, even though they're an actual child, is Leary. Good job, Ness. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm really trying to help you guys out. This is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but I love this because it relates to the last, last episode where I'm like, if you think about this, and once again, I think uh, Pan was the one to point out, like, she's a child in our time, like in uh, modern times, she's very much considered a child. I feel unsure about how she would have been treated at that time. But like to look at it as Leary's a child is such a, it it like turns the whole thing upside down in such a crazy way. Well, and I think, cause I'm not like, cause I wrote that comment about her, her being an actual child in the notes. And to me, it's not even necessarily what the 18th century view is, but Claire is from the forties. And I think in, in Leary is 16 so I do think that Claire knows that that is still like someone who is underage and, and, and maybe cause Claire was so mature because of all her traveling, but I usually don't do this, but I, I kind of have to stand up a little for Leary because I, it was just struck me so much this time watching this because you know, whether you think Leary is uh, societally a child or not, brains do not develop 
<laughs> you know? Well, yeah, yeah, that's another point. Yeah, for sure. When Claire goes down to confront her, and, and let's be clear here, she's mad about a bundle of sticks. Uh-huh. Claire, so dumb. you can't, you can't, you can't let it go. Yeah, in, exactly. And like later in the episode, she's like disgusted with people believing in, you know, changelings. But now but she's going to go off on a kid about a, a bunch of sticks. Right. And Mrs. Fitz is like, is there anything I can help with? And she's like, this is between Leary and me. Claire, you are 26 years old. You Do you really, or what is she, 27? I don't even know. Like, you probably should be having this conversation with her grandmother and not with her. Yeah. Like, oh, she's buying these things from someone and she's, and I wondered, I had this thought too, like, is it because she was in their bedroom? Like, she got, yeah. and I don't know, I don't know about the lock situation in that place, but like, that's an invasion of yeah her space and her privacy that makes sense but once again you should be talking to her guardian but that's not that. what claire was talking to lyra about either what claire was talking about was the wish and this petty stupid ass jealousy shit that i'm just so god like dude chill lady as a 27 year old woman you should not even recognize a, this 16 year old girl as your competition you should just be above that and just ignore her seriously like just ignore her it, it just kind of struck me that this is another example of claire popping off with her temper and you know really kind of i think acting inappropriately in this situation you know leary's a dumb kid and it only spurred leary on further and i'm not saying she wouldn't have turned claire in or whatever or tried to trip whatever her part in it was, but she may still have done that. But it doesn't help when you slap her and have this whole like take your earrings out and take her out in the parking lot situation. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like you're a fully grown woman, Claire. Like, anyway, so that's my piece on that. That exchange was just just annoying. Like I it, it was just... so weird to me this time when I watched it. I have to say, too, thinking about them having this crazy sex and then finding the ill wish and, like, being pissed and, like, ruining, once again, their afterglow and stuff. And then her, like, still being pissed about it and going after this, yeah, kid about it. When Jamie clearly, like, even though Jamie's so mad in that moment at the end of episode nine, he's clearly, like, not... And, of course, he's got... He's distracted by the pardon and Sandrium and all that stuff. But, like, they never talk about it. She just goes and does this kind of irrational thing. Yeah. Like, when, it's, when it seems like maybe, I don't know, it, maybe it seemed appropriate to, like, be upset about it at the end of episode nine. But, like, to bring it back in, in this episode just seems It so... was melodramatic. It was just it was just melodrama. Yeah. Cheap exactly. melodrama. Yeah, for no reason. And, like, maybe it's so that you know that's, so that you think that she has, that Leary has, um just, not justification, but, like, that you, you know Leary's pissed during this episode so that can influence her actions. But it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of unnecessary. Yeah, and I think it's just, it's also just trying to, like, lay the groundwork for for us to see Leary as a villain, because it, because we we are meant to side with Claire, um, so we're not really meant to think about it any more deeply than that. <laughs> but I did! What I, yeah. No, yeah. It, it's, once again, like, Rent. It's, like, maybe Claire's being not so making not so great decisions and what i love too is i'm pretty sure if she, if it's not a direct same quote then it's something very similar 
but she i'm thinking back in uh, i'm thinking going forward to season three where she's barking at claire she comes back and she's barking at claire again and i swear she says some of the same stuff that they say in that fight which is she's like oh he's mine like it's just it was just so funny to think of her with a shotgun like watching like <laughs> her in the kitchen of the castle Leoc, like the parallel there is just so hilarious in my head. that is one of my favorite scenes because of the way like claire just like body checks her <laughs> oh my god it's so intense it's so funny to think of like how long this has been how long this went on and i'm not defending any other of larry's actions like she does go off the deep end but like you know in this instant i don't think claire was right i'm still reeling from we're meant to side with claire that just goes against my my nature <laughs> it's interesting though it's like once you take away once you start thinking about unreliable unreliable narrator and her like don't think about her voiceover try to be critical of her actions it uh it brings out a lot of good podcast Yay. topics though. but it does lead us to Galus. can we skip arthur please because he's not okay let's <laughs> just Ugh, we're just gonna so leave him to I his hate even house. looking at him we're leave him to that chamber, chamber pop poor guy oh he'll be gone soon very <laughs> so <laughs> claire finds Galus dancing as clo- pretty close to naked under the full yeah. moon in the middle of the woods yeah she so she yeah she uh, she shows all about the front bits <laughs> since it's, it's, it's it, throughout the whole scene she will be just about as naked as most women get on uh, television yeah. very proudly very talking about her nipples uh <laughs> like in depth across her nipples or something <laughs> Yeah, like acorns. She says she turned, they turned into acorns. I'm like, oh, that's a I'm like that's a great, uh, it's a great image. Because I think about what I, I'm like, yeah, acorns, man. They do look like little nipples. <laughs> then she says to Claire, "You could have joined me, but you British are such a prudish people." And I'm like, is she just talking about the dance, or what is happening? Probably here? not. Hell no. Was it the se- no? It's the 60s, yeah, right? She's, she's from the 60s. child. Yeah, she's like, yeah, <laughs> they're doing all kinds of stuff. Free love. Yeah. She loves it. I love watching the season um, and episodes of Galus. Thinking about her being from then, it like casts such a different light on the whole thing. I don't know if I've specifically looked at it that way before, but it's a lot of fun doing it. It like is. That. Th- so th- it, that is kind of a neat, I guess it kind of kind of sort of enhances the rewatch experience because you know, this is my first rewatch. And knowing everything I know about Galus, it's just Red Flag City. <laughs> can I Can I talk about one of my pet peeves? <laughs> Sure. (laughs) And I am going to piss a lot of people off with this. And let me say first that this is something that I have done myself in the past. And then I just realized it was, in my opinion, yucky and I stopped. But I really, really don't like when Galus is used in like modern AUs as just like the quirky best friend. Oh no, yes, I hate it. <gasps> and it's so it happens so it's much. Always Galus, and yeah, I'm just like, and and I think the biggest thing for me is that she literally raped Ian. She is a and rapist. Nobody would ever put Stephen Bonnet or BJR. Yeah in a fic as like a quirky best bud. And I, I just think the standards are so, I mean, they're just different. And I think it just shows, and I'm not saying people who do this or think this way are bad people. I just think that they maybe haven't thought about it as much. I just think that it shows that women 
or people in general, a lot of times still do not take uh, females raping men like seriously. Absolutely. Although it's interesting though, because with Geneva, don't ever say it was anything but raped. And I agree with that, but people will go ape shit about Geneva and then not really say much about gay. Like, like there's never any outrage about gayless, you know? Because Gayless did not put anything between Jamie and Claire. That's yeah. why the fandom goes over over the top on Geneva. I'm not going to say all of the things I have to say about that because we have a whole episode for that. <laughs> but I will say two things to your point, Beth, which is one, 1000%. I agree with you. I do not. I get the ickies with Galus as the quirky best friend. I don't mind including her in fic. Like she's a great, like Dougal needs somebody yeah, to talk to yeah. like that. It's she's a, yeah. she fits that she fits the not necessarily bad, but kind of get weird, creepy vibes from her kind of character. Like cool. But at the same time, so that's point one. Point two, there's not a lot of flushed out female characters in this universe no that would fit that yeah. bill yeah, yeah that's so, true. so if you're oh. writing a fan fiction and you're just like i just need a chick that claire can be friends with like the list is small it is absolutely oh, yeah. the only one i've seen i remember because i because so when i first started off in the fandom i was reading the most popular jamie claire fic and seeing tons of galus as a quirky best friend and enjoying it honestly and not thinking about it until I and like until way later on when I was thinking more critically about so much stuff. So I understand how people fall into that trap. I'll yeah, say. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've done it too. Exactly. Yeah, and she's she for as evil and psychotic as she is, she's a super fun character, and she is she has something like she's she's not two dimensional. Yeah. She's uh, there's there's stuff going on, right? She has this huge arc in season one specifically. And it continues and all this stuff. And yeah, she's, she's interesting. Like, you got to give it to her that she's interesting. And that's uh, funny because, and then I, because uh, the only other cl- uh, person who plays, cl- who would play Claire's best friend that I can't even remember from that fic back in the day is Joe. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, Joe fits the bell way better. But I'm like, who else? I'm even trying to think right now who else. And I'm like struggling I like to, to find Louise. options. Because she, she was is really good, yeah. a, a good friend to Claire in season two so yeah but she's also kind of quirky and fun but not a rapist key point key point yeah and louise would definitely be better yeah so i mean also though i don't want to like shame people who are just like trying to write fake and have fun with it like no I mean, do, do what you gotta do yeah of course not. this is less of a this is less of a this is really gross don't ever put this in your fit kind of a thing i think and more of a Let's also include the female rapist when we're thinking critically about the text. Like, don't exactly. sweep it under the rug. Yeah, absolutely. Just because it wasn't Jamie that she personally victimized, just because it wasn't Claire that she personally victimized. And just be aware, like, if you use these characters, the whole thing about fic is you're using these characters because people have previous knowledge from them from canon. Like, you have to keep that in your awareness when you're writing stuff. So if she is going to be Claire's best friend, then maybe you want to subvert that somehow. Like seeing as like people's knowledge of her in the just a little like a little world building in in canon like yeah. you could yeah some world building and just just you have to I think you have to keep previous knowledge 
You can't just pretend it's not. Unless you're going to make notes. Right. Beginning notes saying, oh, by the way, Galus is pure Right, heart. exactly. I don't know, which seems kind of silly to me. But whatever, you do you, do you I won't judge you for that. At least you uh, made note of it. And again, this is like, it really is a pet peeve for me. And I, I think that I just would urge people to think a little, think a little more about it and, and think, you know, a little more critically of the text. And no, nobody that uses Galus is a bad person or, you know, doing anything bad. It's just a pet peeve for me. And I still read the fix. <laughs> but there's so I just, many. I just, it's like most it of just, them, really. just that little part of it kind of grates on me, right? So, but I think it's just it's big, the bigger point about like just the general dismissiveness people have over men being raped and stuff and mm-hmm. especially by women and in that. So it'd be interesting to see when episodes for um, season three come out. We could even compare how Gillis is portrayed as a villain versus how other male characters yeah. are portrayed as a villain because I, I, I even from general memory, I know oh, it's totally. Different. Oh, absolutely. That'd be, that'd be interesting yeah. to take part. Absolutely. She doesn't come off as vicious, I'll tell you that, unless you really, like, once again, unless you really think critically. Well, and it's interesting, though, because her actions are very vicious. Like, she slowly poisoned Arthur Duncan. She burned her one husband alive you know like yep so it doesn't stop but like they you're right that they kind of like managed to make it not seem as evil somehow and yet she was the serial rapist she was the one who was collecting young men for this express purpose literally yeah and i wonder too is it because what you guys will talk about next episode for the devil's mark like and it's so it's such a good um part of the show and it's such a good interesting part of this part of the series when she um sacrifices herself or quote unquote because she doesn't die um sacrifices herself for claire and she's carried through the streets and like is it that some supposed to be some does that stick in people's minds as like some sort of redemption moment and like that's why you forget that she's like done all these terrible things like before and after like i wonder about that because that i think is something that i remember so clearly about galus is what she does in the next episode and how i guess different it is than the rest of the series but she's she's an interesting one definitely fairy hill changeling is that where we're going next yes yes Oh, actually, let's, like, I'm just looking at our notes here. Oh, because they're talking about, because they go on their little walk, and they're talking about, and they find out information about, um, okay, this is, okay, this is what was stru- kind of struck me, re-watching this episode, and something I don't think I really noticed the previous times, was all the signs that Galus is a raging psychopath are throughout this entire episode. And I, and I, yeah, I only noticed this time. Her face in general, just watch her face. Don't even watch Claire when she's talking. Watch Galus when Claire's talking. She's like dead in the eyes and like she's got this creepy smile and like clearly, <laughs> clearly untrustworthy. And here's Claire, Claire like, oh, we're friends. I'm not going to do this to you. And then Galus has got this crazy look on her face the entire time, which I just found wild, especially during this little like walk and talk. And they're talking about uh, Dougal's wife and she's so callous about it yeah like she's like oh yeah his poor wife and she was beautiful once but not anymore and she's like stuck in her tower like she's all these really negative things to say about her and oh 
because we found out that they're that Dougal and Gillis are lovers by this point and that she's pregnant with this child she will go on in this episode to talk about her husband and Dougal's wife like they're disposable like they're disposable yeah. people and you'll find out that her first husband or not her first <laughs> whatever the first husband that we know she killed is disposable she does not like she has very little respect for human life oh, that's yeah. and it's like and it's so kind of like casual that you do, then unless you really listen to what she's saying and watch her crazy facial expressions you do, I feel like it's not really um doesn't really hit home quite as intensely and of course without you know a rewatch kind of perspective and not only does she have little respect for human life but a lot of it is she has little respect for men like men you know the lives of men because like yeah she she tried to like maybe possibly cast a spell or what have you that would kill Dougal's wife but like she literally I mean again she killed several of her husbands it's implied she killed her husband in jamaica too and then she literally is like collecting young boys to just use you know so i think a lot of it has to do with men in general like she just and and i think yeah and then probably the women in her way which yeah. just happens to be Dougal's wife who is somebody who's in her way and so she cast this spell to um she says to set her and Dougal free and uh we'll see the possible ramifications of that and I think what I always thought was I thought was interesting too watching it was that you find out that she has a bracelet, a very pretty base bracelet that she wants Claire to admire, that she says is from Dougal that was supposed to be for his wife, that was given to him by right. the Duke of Sandringham. And so you start to get the tidbits to, to kind of discover that Dougal is handing off the Jacobite money to um the Duke. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, Dougal in a way is is likely working for the Duke of Sandringham to forward the Jacobite cause. And that's not to say Dougal doesn't believe in it himself, but I do think he is beholden to the Duke in, in certain ways because of it. And I think it makes sense because if the Duke has connections with people like Blackjack Randall and stuff like that, like obviously, and he kind of is somebody who kind of, you kind of get wind of in the series that he just seems to have these connections to all these different people. And obviously Jamie thinks that he could play a big part in getting a pardon and all that stuff. So it's, it kind of makes sense that Duke will need somebody to kind of have a direct link to um, the Bonnie Prince Charlie and his Jacobite cause and all that. So, so they're on the fairy hill and they're talking about the gift and then they hear the baby cry and Gayla's, tells her the whole changeling thing and Claire decides that she's going to go find the baby and Galus just leaves. And so then we have Claire like just left on the fairy hill with this baby who dies, you know, right before Claire gets to it. I was struck by just thinking about Claire's maternal instincts in, you know, the way she just holds the baby and, and is, so upset and and then later when jamie comes to to find her he takes the baby from her kind of gave me like there were like parallels to when claire is with is holding faith and and louise has to come in and take the baby from her it was really sad oh it's the worst and i hate that you have to hear the baby cry and then it coughs at the end which is like something about that was like so hard to hear but i thought was interesting too is she also says like he takes the baby from her but then she also says take me home which is also what she says at the end of the episode of faith take me home to scotland or whatever Uh, i was like because when i read your note i was like oh yeah that's what she says at the end of that episode i'm like oof, i don't like that i don't like it i don't like it too much yeah so they i feel like they must have been definitely 
purposefully drawing those parallels. You'd yeah. think, yeah. While they're on the fairy hill, they have this, they have a conversation about what Jamie believes and what the locals believe. And his pragmatic faith kind of comes out again. So like he doesn't necessarily believe in the changelings and changelings and fairies and stuff like that. He's still that I'm not going to what was it? Shame the devil in his own in his own church. In his own church, yeah. Yeah. Um he's still got that going on, but also like he understands the value of finding comfort in your beliefs, even if they don't make sense. So I thought that was that was an interesting bit of Jamie's character reveal there. That's a good characterization. Which is, which, yeah, harkens back to, is it The Way Out? I think yeah. he talks about that. Yeah, yeah. At the at the Black Kirk, yeah. But I, what I like too, because like coming into this part of the episode where you kind of see this happen and you're very emotional and you, a lot of us will side with Claire and think, why are these people doing this to this baby? It's so heartless and callous. How could you do that? I just, I kind of just love Jamie's explanation of it because it just makes you okay I think as the it makes Claire okay to leave and it makes um the audience okay to like end the scene and leave sad dead child because because it because at least he made sense of the situation which I'm just I'm grateful for as a viewer because it's like it's a hard it's obviously it's a hard thing to kind of yeah we get closure yeah and he talks about he talks about the same thing later when Claire considers telling Jenny that she's a time traveler. Both times he makes the comment that like these people have not seen anything outside of the village that they live in, or in Jenny's case, you know, Lally Brock or, or Brock Morta. And, you know, all they know is what the, is what the priest tells them on Sunday. You know, you can, in, in today's day and age, I feel like there is no excuse for ignorance because everything, every piece of information in the world is at your fingertips. In this case, in the 18th century, truly, like, you really far, uh, you know, hard pressed to blame people for their ignorance in some of this stuff because they truly just had no access to any information. I mean, most of them were probably could not even read and write, so... Do the best you can with what you have. I'd argue too that I think it's relevant. Yeah, I think it's. I'd argue too that it's relevant even to today. Just in the mindset of you don't know how people grew up, you don't know the, what people around them believed, you don't know you don't know what they did have access to. Even though people do have obviously so much more access to, to the thing to things that they never had before. But I think it's a good thing to to come at as maybe for expectations of uh, of other people and stuff like that. I do think that, especially for like kids and stuff, but my opinion is just that once you're an adult and free to live your life as you choose, you know, if you don't choose to seek knowledge, then it's just not an excuse. Like, but that again, that's just my opinion on it. Like, no, I think it's valid. Anyway, so we're back to the Duke of Sandringham now. Do you feel like we have been stalling? Like, We knew he's coming. <laughs> I feel like we've spent the last 30 minutes trying really hard not to get to the Duke of Sandringham. Can we just get it out of our system right now? He is horrible. He's horrible. He's horrible. But it's not, it's, let me just be clear that it's not because he is not perfectly portrayed by Simon Callow, who is an incredible Scottish actor, which is very exciting. But I have to say that I feel like this is another case where they made him so over the top ridiculous 
ridiculous and like even funny that it sort of diverts your attention from the fact that he is a predator. And I think the only argument against that is that that's not his purpose in the story, like as the narrative, narrative as it is now, yeah. but I understand what you're saying. It's not part of the the narrative plot moving forward, but it's so important in understanding Jamie. Yeah. And yeah. it's no wonder why he's BFFs with Blackjack Randall. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, I just, I think, too, it's fun to watch. He's such a fun actor. I think people will recognize the actor in the show and stuff. So that's kind of like, a, it brings an interesting kind of element into it. It's, and I think it's good, at least for this this episode, that you kind of get reminded over and over again that he's friends with yeah. um, Blackjack Randall, despite his uh, trying to deny that fact, very um, obviously, uh, that he's lying. And um, so at least you get that reminder here. And uh, so you kind of hopefully can kind of see through his kind of like antics or whatever but then i kind of and then you kind of see how easily he's she doesn't admit it she doesn't she claire motivates him to kind of uh steer her steer in her direction for the thing that she wants him to do and things like that does she for like five seconds but like as we will see in season two really she just painted a target on her back the this whole episode i'm watching i'm like claire shut your freaking mouth you're making everything so much worse just stop she drove me insane she's like real big for her britches in this episode and i guess maybe i was just in a you know claire sucks kind of a mood i don't know why doesn't sound like me at all (laughs) in the case of this episode i mean except for the leery thing like i don't really see claire as any more uh complicit in inviting the be being totally duped by the Duke of Sandringham than Jamie. Like he especially Jamie, because he literally knows what this man is like. You know, Claire kind of knows secondhand and both of them kind of invite like I'm like the whole time I'm like, especially when like Claire's like reading out loud or Jamie's reading out loud part of the letter, like the petition or whatever. And I'm like yeah. This is so dumb. Like, this guy is never in a million years going to help you. I just want to shake them both because I'm like, this is just so stupid. And the only thing I noticed was that Jamie has that singular singular focus that Claire has in Rent. Like, that's what he has with the um, pardon in this episode. He's like, he gets that knowledge from Myrta that that Sandringham is here. And it's like, he's a dog with a bone. And that's the only thing. And like, he, he kind of refuses any idea that it couldn't go his way probably because he thinks is thinks he can influence him i can only imagine that 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 would be his thought and that he can protect himself and he doesn't have to worry about the um effects of whatever that influence might bring on him or whatever but um i think he just he's refusing to to because he wants it so badly because he needs he knows him and claire need to get out of castle Yuck, he kind of just refuses and he doesn't have any other options at the moment. I think he's just kind of like driving really hard into this dead end. Maybe where I'm coming at this, coming at this, that's not a, none of those words made sense in that order. Maybe where I'm coming from here, there we go, is like season five, season six, Jamie wouldn't be this dumb. No, absolutely not. Mm, Yeah. Claire might because she's a little bit more impulsive. But Jamie would not approach someone like the Duke of Sandringham for something like this unless he had three or four backup plans 
already in place. So he's he's just he's more mature. He's more calculating in the later seasons. Oh, obviously he's got extensive extensive experience in dealing yeah. with horrible people. Well, and he hasn't experienced the great trauma of the end of season right. one yet, too. I think there's a big yeah. difference between post yeah. season one finale, Jamie, and pre season one finale, yeah. Jamie. As far as that kind of stuff goes. That young guy, that youthful feeling of immortality. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Speaking of mortality, uh, Mora has died. <laughs> See what <laughs> yes. And Dougal's yes. not okay. <laughs> Dougal is not okay. This is that scene that I mentioned. I forgot all about this scene. Of him losing his, losing his absolute mind over this. And I just, I could, I mean, I could wax poetic about this for hours and hours and I did because I just don't quite understand why it happens this way and I'm like is it in character is it not in character I think it's in character but I can't I still can't quite wrap my my mind around why it's so public and I think it's because we don't know what his relationship with his wife was and I don't know who knows maybe DJ has something to say about that but I don't know anything about that but I would rather let myself contemplate until I come up with something that I like but uh it's and I love that Colin is standing there watching him, judging him, saying terrible things, but like clearly yes. is so wor- worried about him. I love that because he's like very like a hawk, like watching his every move until they kind of get him away to a safe place. Um, I think it says a lot about Colin and Dougal and their relationship. And it's I like what I found really interesting too is it really felt like the entire castle and even Claire who has a very complicated relationship with Dougal is rallying. Like once he's, he's like experiencing this intense kind of thing and this horrible loss, obviously. And even she's rallying to do her part to help, help the guy out. And I think, you know, you asked like why the public display, I think it's because he's a narcissist. He he's a, a narcissist and B he is like, I'm a man. I can only have, big angry feelings right like i mean better there's a lot of men that are still like that to this day right it's like my only feelings that i can have are like anger and then like and it's like anger at at himself and you know he's like hitting himself in the head and lashing out at everybody yeah that's wild yeah giant man baby and he has no idea i I might the only note i made on this was that the Mackenzie men need therapy. Like <laughs> you know? yeah, so yeah. much therapy. When you see him smack himself in yeah, the head, especially, it's just, yes, he's like yeah. a, it's like watching a toddler, you know, have a temper tantrum. It does make sense. Yeah, so it does make sense when you say he's acting out his anger against himself. Yeah. That makes so much sense. It's like so he's treating himself the way he would if he was right. pissed up at somebody else. Like I'm like suddenly I'm like, oh yeah, that makes that that's exactly it, what it is. He's, pun- he's punishing and I'm himself. sure he feels yeah, very guilty mm-hmm. about how he's treated his yes. wife. And, and I mean, never enough when she was alive to like actually spend time with her. But, you know, exactly. It, but he's mad at himself. And so, you know, there's there's that there's the narcissism. And I think there's the even a slight element of like, this is what I'm supposed to do do but that see that's always where i go is that is that what it is is there he has to show some big display to appease someone whether it's column whether it's the court as a whole like they the whole clan as a whole yeah. if he doesn't act this way are there going to be some sort of consequences for him that he's not ready to deal with yeah like that's yeah that's i think there's there's got to be some something of that in there especially because of his his newish 
lover yeah. and, and the child that he and, and the whole kind of crazy thing that's going to happen in the back half back half of but shout episode. out to angus for being the guy that'll do anything <laughs> and he just jump, goes right in there with the drink to get him to drink it i mean you you, you need a guy you need a honey badger around because yeah. they are they are the ones that will do anything and he shows this later on in the season too you know when Claire's yeah. like seeking help to get Jamie out of Wentworth prison and stuff mm-hmm. so you know it's like your friend is like a little bit crazy but like you you definitely keep him around because like <laughs> he, you need that little bit He'll of crazy anything, in yeah. your life you know Angus is a little guy but he has the largest testicles in all <laughs> yes. of Scotland oh absolutely <laughs> He really does. He's got, and maybe because he has something to prove, but he just like will swing it like yeah, wherever, whatever yeah. the wind blows. Like, and he will he will take every opportunity to be Big like, I balls can do this. Steel, that's it. <laughs> so I actually think that Dougal's reaction, as over the top as it was, I think that was more genuine than not. And here's why I think that because at the next dinner party from hell when. Arthur keels over his he's completely like very happy about this yeah yes not even a second of dread or shock it doesn't even try to hide it not even for a half a second and I think if he were if he had been acting if he'd been acting out over Mora's death because it's what he thinks he's supposed to do or he's trying to uh, trying to avoid suspicion about his involvement with Galus or whatever it may be I think if that were the case, if that part were more of an act, I think he would have been neutral at the party. Yeah, I agree. Okay, yeah, okay. And then uh, Galus's reaction, on the other hand, to Dougal's kind of blatant um, amusement, maybe even, is dramatic as hell. And she's got crazy... She's It's funny, too, when I talk about like her facial expressions give away everything in this episode. She's got real crazy eyes, even when her face is... Or even when her mouth is in that perfect O of, like, shock. Yeah. She's... The anticipation in her face is just very obvious. Is oh, I yeah. And noticed. she, like, is does nothing and then just, like, just goes into this, like, scream that is just, like... Wail. I, yeah. I mean, she's a worse actress than Claire. Like... <laughs> she's, just, she's just not you know not doing it and i just am like so claire claire will tell the audience that she smells um yeah was it cyanide yeah. on his breath or something like that and uh so that he's been poisoned but who said that he was slowly yeah, I, poisoned i think they talk time? i think in the book claire opines oh, okay. that that was the reason for like his all his like flatulence and stuff was because she was like slowly poisoning him over time with the cyanide but then i do think like once dougal's wife died she she was like all right let's let's break out the rat poison yeah which she will regret when she finds out that um column has caught on to this he looks at I think he, you catch him looking at Dougal, I know, specifically, with, like, horror on his face that, that he's happy that Arthur Duncan has keeled over. Yeah. Uh, and said there will be, because of Gillis's impatience, unless Dougal, unless I started out with Dougal, unless Colm kind of had his ear to the ground and kind of knew about um, Gillis and Dougal beforehand, which we don't really, we know. But we know well, that he Well, you can now. see the 
the the gears grinding in Colum's head as he's looking yeah. at he's yeah, looking he's at Dougal's gr- like smug grin, and then he's looking at Galus's reaction, and he's just like, mm-hmm. oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hell no. <laughs> Too much stuff is going on under my nose that I don't like it. And yeah. Well, and then he happens. really gives it to Dougal and gives him a reality check in in yes. when he takes him back to the, you know, Laird's room or whatever, you know, when he says to him, That's Arthur Duncan's child, just as Hamish is my child, like In front of Jamie oof. again. Again. James- I know. He needs a witness. Please, a gut punch. Like, talk about the worst thing you. That's like the, that's the worst thing you can yeah. say to Dougal. Like, mm-hmm. I was thinking about it, and I'm like, that's the worst thing you can say to him. Like he, and then you see him after that whole while, while he just like reams about and just like cuts into him in like the deepest way you could, and he's dead inside after. Like his face is totally dropped. I mean, he can't even look up. He's mm-hmm. looking at the ground, and Jamie has to like shuffle mm-hmm. him out of the room. Like he's just like he's done now. He's done. It, I feel like we should go back to the stupid ass duel, but let's go ahead and let's we're here. Let's let's. Oh yeah, we step worse. That's cool. <laughs> we might as well get get this out. It strikes me that Column keeps dressing down Dougal in front of Jamie. I feel like this is probably contributing to the animosity between Dougal and Jamie because in doing so, Colum is elevating Jamie's position and lowering Dougal's. Mm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Ugh. So that was absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, like what's I wonder too, is he doing that to punish Jamie? Because if really if you want to um I feel like kind of like unleashing yeah. a stray dog. Oh on- god. Yeah. on your enemy or whatever you know what i mean like he knows that that that's dougal's that's how to get dougal um fired up about he's already made he's already uh made jamie pay for column wanting him as the next clan leader so it's like it just seems to be a string yeah. that he pulls on his puppets yep. right but it's also he's showing jamie he's elevating Jamie, but at the same time, he's showing Jamie, this is what happens when you don't toe the line. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And look at me, how I treat, how I'm going to treat my brother and the consequences that he has to go through. And he's like the closest, he's essentially the closest person to me. And I wouldn't think twice about doing this or worse to you. Power play. And he's, and that's his mo. That's his, the motivation well it's his mo in general but that's his that's why he's so pissed at the last scene of, of them in the episode it's because he goes stuff keeps happening that i am not privy to and i think it really triggers his um like his insecurities of like the one thing he has is that he's in charge so when all this shit starts happening especially with these people that he knows have a high status and his clan and even you know even jamie even though he's technically not even a part of Clan McKenzie, still because he because he's elevated him himself, he sees them now thinking that they can kind of run him up and do what they want, and uh, Column will um, now show everybody that no, that's not the case. That's never the case. People only do the shit that he wants them to do. And he's going to show it in a very kind of dramatic, dramatic way. Dogs fighting. 
But I do love that Colm calls Jamie this one. He banishes Dougal to his his castle, or uh, and uh, says to grieve for your wife and plan your plan the funeral and all that. And he goes and then he goes. Uh, Rupert Nangus and this one will go with you. And he poisoned Jamie's wife. And then Jamie tries to like fight him on it because he doesn't want to go. And he gives him shit or shit or shit and he cuts him off every time, which I just think is kind of funny. It's like John calling Claire that woman. That woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so let's go back just a little bit to the stupidest duel ever. Oh my god. Ever. Seriously. It's, it's it near pointless. So fl- were those guns even loaded? And are do you mean to tell me that the McDonald's horses aren't gun broke? Really? Oh, I know, right? Really? Like, oh my god! Yeah, seriously. Uh, yeah. Well, it, the whole thing is ridiculous, and like, I just—it's like just just whip your penises out and compare them and get it over. Uh, it. Yes, like, that's exactly it's not even like it's just a stupid. It's just stupid and Sandringham is like playing it up like this is gonna be some like fight for his life and he's so like it's oh I'm so he's excited about it though he's but like, he's, like he's nervous and it. yeah it's it's the drama it's the dramatique right it's, but this yeah is not, it's not yeah. even two first blood it's a single shot duel this is no big deal and yet he told Claire at the party, oh, I'm the I'm one who's going to be shot shedding my blood. <laughs> Dude, like, that, so dramatic. Like, calm Jamie, down. Like, I'm assured that nobody will actually get hurt. Like, it's just such it's a farce. Yeah. Like, and I'm just like... And then it's done and nothing happens. And you're like, okay, what was the point of this? And then they're shooting the shit back and forth and it's the dumbest it's just the dumbest. Like, what are they even? Like, like just think of a bunch. Of yeah, exactly. Just, like, I'm like calling each other dickheads over and don't over you again. Don't guys and that's have all cattle to steal or something? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. How to do. many times in this series? And I don't mean just because it's it's early. It's only episode ten. How many times does Jamie get called a sodomite? I don't actually like that word, but that's the word that they use. Because it's just, I, I mean a lot. Like, yeah, <laughs> like a lot uh, enough that yeah. it starts to. You wonder why it's yeah, right? Like, the time? Yeah. like, what vibe is he giving? Yeah. <laughs> like, 18th century gaydar. Like, I love it. Oh, God. What? He must have, um, he must have like a bi pride flag tattooed on his face somewhere. I can't see it. But, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, Jamie got involved in this again all for the sake of trying to get this the Duke of Sandringham to, to deliver this petition. And mm-hmm. all it got him was an injury and it gave Colm the perfect excuse to get Jamie out of his face. Which, mm-hmm. And I saw somebody made a note about this too. Like, now the men are gone. He had a perfect excuse to get rid of Jamie too. And it's now they can, you know, Claire and yeah, play, it played yeah, right exactly. into Colm's hand. And now he arrests, and then right after they're gone, Claire and Galus are arrested. And I yes. think the book goes more into detail about Claire thinking that, like, like kind of realizing that you know this was Colm's plan all along. And I wonder too if it's something he's been coming up with, like maybe if he discovered Gales and Dougal's relationship. Um, a little bit earlier and he was kind of planning something because he knew the rumors about her 
and nothing ever was really done about it. And then obviously he's not happy that Claire and Jamie got married and he sees a similarity there. And, um, or if it's something where, like I was talking about, um, he kind of sees these people around him who have power around him kind of doing what they want to do and kind of, uh, not asking their laird's permission, which is how he uh, holds control over his clan. And so he's like, okay, you're going to pretend like you don't um, need my say to do this, that, and the other thing. Then I'm going to show you what the the kind of power. And I I think too, it's just practical. He's just, he doesn't want Jamie to be married to a Sassanac. So send Jamie away, get her, you know, burned as a witch. And then, it puts Jamie right back again in that position where he's could possibly become the Laird. So I think this brings us to the last scene, which is their kiss goodbye. And this would constitute a Jamie Fraser erection scale pause. Yes. So I actually struggled to decide, you know, because there's just not, I'm just not getting big boner vibes from this whole episode. Right. (laughs) So, I, you know, hmm. even, you know, I think he's just been injured. He's pretty sad. Like, I'm going to go with like a two. Like, I just, I think he's just, you know, it's, it's, it's not a very lustful moment. And so I think the same thing, but I, <laughs> I was just thinking what does make this more interesting or uh, I think what um, it kind of like alludes to his time away from his wife when I think the it'll be off maybe it'll be eventually off the charts because he's far away and uh not getting his um his regular romp that he's used to now for for quite a while uh but yeah it's probably it's probably because Dougal has to interrupt it I'm gonna give it a 2.5 and I'm kind of torn so I think I'm gonna go with a 1.5 but I'm so I'm torn between a 1.5 and a 2 and here's why and it has nothing to do with Jamie or Claire. It's Dougal saying, <laughs> "It's <laughs> Dougal." No, his interjection. I said, "Kisser did a swallower." That cracks me up. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, it's because funny, it's yeah. like you said the thing that I was thinking. Thank you, man. <laughs> and he's just—he's just had it with those two. He's like, <laughs> done. he's so fucking over it. Well, he's just—he's seen enough hanky panky up between them for a lifetime he's just done well now he's gonna go bury his dead wife and he has to get away from his regular hanky panky his nephew is babysitting him like he's done yeah oh yeah i think so i think i'm gonna actually bump it up to a two just because of the because of the dougal factor (laughs) there you go funny all right comedy factor and then what I and then what I will say, a great uh, thing that we cannot forget about the end of this episode is Jamie tells during the scene, Jamie tells Claire, please stay away from Galus Duncan. Colm is going to be after her now because he's really pissed about Colm and, or sorry, about Dougal and Galus's relationship. And what does Claire do? What does Claire do the minute he leaves? Well, in yes. I also it annoys me that she does that too because we've seen evidence already that Galus would not do the same for her like she's she's learned enough about Galus's character that she that if if Claire needed Galus 
Galus would be like, I'm not getting myself into the middle of that, sh- like yep. any shit with them, you know. And that Galus' priorities are not for, like, you know, she's not worried about the baby. She's not worried about Mora Mackenzie. She's not worried about Arthur Duncan. But here Claire is trying to, uh, trying to warn and her. And why anyway. doesn't Claire tell her that Dougal is gone? Yeah, that's like, always fun. Galus is too. like, oh, yeah. my man will never let anything happen to she's me. Like, Dougal- and she doesn't yeah, say exactly. anything. Yeah. Anyway. It's quite strange. Yeah. All right. Are we uh, ready for the fic rack? Yeah. So I will actually, I can take this one this week. It was kind of a last minute change. The fic rack this week is It's Not a Duel by Happy Days. This kind of sort of fits. And the reason I say, say kind of sort of is because it involves a duel. Um, it's actually more of a season four, season five canon divergence thing it's it's a cute story it's vaguely jamie john if you squint happy days wrote it so of course it is but it's kind of got this fun Mm -hmm. like really ridiculous eye of the tiger training montage sort of vibe to it (laughs) yeah so lots of fun fun. lots of love to that that author he's amazing so we will link that in our socials amazing Uh, kudos to anybody who can write a duel that's Really yeah, right. and exciting and his uh, action scene. Action is so hard. Also. Yeah. Kudos. Well, we managed yeah. to do this in a single episode. <laughs> <laughs> we did hey! Always. It's only slightly ourselves. It's only slightly hour. over a half hour, about more like 45 minutes. Oh, you, but, you know. Ness, thank you so much for joining us again. This was super fun. Always love your insight and your Dougal standing. It never gets old. I'm glad I will be here for as long as you need it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks and for having me. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. This podcast is not affiliated with Outlander, Sony, Stars, and definitely 100% not with Diana Gabaldon. All opinions expressed are our own, and we may not even believe them ourselves. In fact, nothing in this podcast should be taken seriously as a general rule. We may not even be real people. Does this podcast even exist? This podcast is not suitable for children, immature adults, homophobes, anyone who takes fandom too seriously, people who don't understand that the characters aren't real, people with sticks up their ass, people who hate fun, and people who have no sense of humor. Do not try any of these hot takes at home. We are professionals. The FDA has not approved this podcast for human consumption. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, the urge to send us anonymous homophobic hate, ringing in your ears, and constipation. If you experience any of these side effects, ask your doctor if dying mad about it is right for you. If you know us in real life, no, you don't.